So John 13, if you want to flip there, John 13 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, it's our text for the morning. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have Bibles provided for you in the seats here. If you don't have one at home waiting for you um, that you can dust off and break in, take one of these home. And we would just be really glad for you to have that uh, as your very own. It's page 770 in uh, the, the Bibles we have provided for you. John chapter 13. While you're turning there, um, so I know you've watched it, right? And if you haven't watched it, you might be the only person in all of America who hasn't seen Charlie Bit My Finger. You know what I'm talking about on YouTube? Uh, I know you've seen it, and uh, if you haven't, you're going to go home and see it now, aren't you? It's one of those videos that uh, just blew up and went viral. It's a video of a couple of cute little boys One's a little bit older than the younger one, and he keeps sticking his finger in his little brother's mouth, and his little brother just keeps biting it and laughing, and it's just really, really, really funny, and every time I see it, I just can't stop laughing. It's actually the number one most watched YouTube video, home video. There's three that are higher in uh, views than this video, and they're all, I think, like Justin Bieber professional music videos, but this is a, a home video, and it's just really, really funny. just blew up and went viral. Viral videos... Are, are everywhere right now. It seems like every single week there's a new must-see video. And, and basically, here's how viral happens. Somebody sees something, good content, and they love it so much, it's just so great to them that they have to tell somebody else. And then that person sees it, and they have to tell somebody else, and so on and so forth, and the momentum gains until eventually the, the question rises, you haven't seen this video? Where have you been? You haven't seen Charlie bit my finger? And the next thing you know, it's, it's viral. But none of this happens without good content. The, the video has to have some kind of appeal. It's either got to be hysterical, like Charlie bit my finger, or it's just got to be uh, just mind-blowing. Like there's this one out there that I, just blows my mind every time I see it. It's called Dude Perfect. And it's a group of you know, college frat boys, and they, they're just really into making uh, long shots with the basketball. So what they'll do is they'll put a hoop in the middle of a professional stadium of a football field, they go in the top row and the furthest away, and they'll shoot it, and they'll film them making it in. They filmed them shooting it over a barn, and they can't even see the hoop on the other side, but somehow they did it, and it goes in. Films them flying by on on an airplane, dropping it out of the airplane into the hoop. Just some spectacular stuff. Now, we don't know how many takes. It probably took a million takes to get one shot. But nonetheless, it's it's mind-blowing. And uh, you you have to have uh, appeal. The the kind of thing where you see it and you say, no way. That is incredible. Or you see it and you just can't stop laughing at it. It's just absolutely amazing. Now, let me tie it all in. As As a new church here in uh, Roslindale, we'll be approaching two years here in, in the next month or so. Our hearts are really set on the mission of connecting Boston to Christ. We dream of the day when someone experiences this community and, and just loves it so much and is so taken back by it, they have to tell somebody else about it who then comes and experiences it and then has to tell somebody else about it until momentum picks up where you haven't heard about this, this thing that God is doing. You haven't heard about what God is doing in and through these people. You've got to be a part of it. But remember, it all starts with good content. It starts with good content. Now, can we drum up a buzz without good content? 
course we can. We can get people talking and, and excited without good to- content. Several years back, it seemed like every other church uh, was doing some kind of series revolving around sex. Especially uh, in other parts of the country, uh, there were a lot of churches doing series, and they would entitle it something like Good Sex. And it catches people's attention. What? Did they just say that? And so even in other parts of the country, they, you, you could drive down the highway and you could see a billboard that a church had purchased with a, a couple in bed with their feet hanging off the sheets. And then it, it says something on the bottom like, thought you couldn't say sex in church? Right? And everybody would say, what? And of course they'd show up to church the next week, wouldn't they? They wanted to see what was going on and then they'd get them in the doors. And then while they're in the doors, the, the pastor would say something about you know, how you can have a wonderful marriage and how if you, you save yourself in the, the confines of, of covenant marriage, it'll be a wonderful thing. And did they get people in the door? Absolutely, right? But what was it that got people in the door? It was, dude, you've got to see this. I saw a billboard that said sex and church on the same billboard. And so I'm totally there. And that's kind of how it, it has happened. And so what happens and what has happened culturally over the past decade or so in, in our country, especially in other parts of the country, is churches often get into the business of creating hype to the neglect of actually having good content. So we can be all about let's create hype and let's get them in the doors but not actually have uh, good content. How about this? Maybe the best billboard for a church is the billboard of a church full of healthy marriages that are vibrant and thriving and committed to staying with each other no matter what. See, that's, that's good content and not just hype. And so this morning as we continue with our Good for the City uh, series, we want to talk about uh, loving one another. We want to talk about the good content of our faith community. We want to make sure that we have good content in terms of how we interact with each other, how we love each other. Uh, so so I, w- I want you to catch this, and I'll put it on the screen because I want you to get this. The, the content in here affects the city out there. So we've been talking a lot over the, the course of the past few weeks about how can we affect the city out there, but a lot of it has to do with the content in here, the content of our uh, community, that we would be a church with unique love towards each other. And one of the best ways that you can impact the community out there is having really good content in terms of how we interact in here or in our homes or in wherever we do life together as a a, a group of people who deeply love Jesus, that we would have good, good content. And, And one thing that we have done throughout the course of the history of this church is we're constantly pointing out to you that in the scriptures, one of the, the, the ways in the scriptures that, that the Lord will tell us time and time again uh, that is, is one of the best ways to reach the community out there is by being a group of people who are deeply loving in here. And so that's why Jesus says in John chapter 17, I've shared this one with you before, he says, I, I pray that they may be one so that the world may believe. And again, it's kind of crazy to think that if we focus on our oneness and our unity and our love towards each other, Jesus was convinced that if we would be one, it would, it would help the world to believe. Uh, another passage that, that we read earlier uh, in our gathering was in Acts chapter 2. We learn a little bit about the early church and the summary of them. And, and notice it talks about how deeply committed to each other they were. They were actually selling their possessions so that they could meet each other's needs. They were so deeply committed to each other and loving 
towards one another, that at the end of that summary, it says in Acts chapter 2, that and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so there's such good content in their community that God was adding to that community because people said, I got to be there. I got to be a part of that. So good content, deep love, rich community. The content in here affects the city out there. And this morning's passage really is no different. So let's look at John chapter 13. We'll look at 31 through 35. And I want to begin by by looking at the the last verse of our passage uh, for this morning, verse 35, because it really sums it all up. Here's what it says. Jesus says in, in verse 35, he says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so there it is again. Jesus is, is connecting our content in here, affecting the city out there. Uh, Jesus is connecting us loving one another with, with all people out there. And so it's incredible to see that we're, we're to love one another well and it will affect other people. And it's not just about us being out there. It's that and us loving each other very, very well. And so as we work through seeking good for the city, we, we need to think through how might our, our content in here affect them out there. And so let me just kind of get you thinking a little bit here. Uh, there's some, some thoughts of, of how this might work, and I really believe they're, they're backed by Scripture. But perhaps our city would be blessed by just the overflow of the, the presence of a community of selfless, loving, sacrificial people in their midst. Much like Hebrews chapter 10 will, will, will tell us that, that we come together like this and we rub shoulders and we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So if we will be committed to this, then it naturally just bleeds out and affects other people, love and, and, and good deeds. Uh, another thing to think through is, is as our city sees the rare and sacrificial and, and selfless love uh, among us, they see the authenticity of our claims that Jesus has changed us. Because we tell people all the time, Jesus has changed me. Jesus has changed me. Well, show me. Well, here's, here's one way to show you. This person over here is nothing like me, and I deeply love them. Because people tend to, to gather in affinity groups, don't they? This person and I have nothing in common. Maybe it wouldn't be the type of person that I would hang out with if it were just for me, but I deeply love this person and care for this person because Jesus has changed me, and so it speaks to our authenticity. Uh, another thing is that as the city sees the rare and sacrificial and, and selfless love among us, perhaps they want in. So you can, see how, you can see how our content in here affects those out there. And another thing is that as the city sees our rare, selfless, sacrificial love, they really see a picture of the love of Christ, right? That's unconditional and committed um, regardless of our performance. Now, I really believe, I'm really excited about the fact that God is doing this uh, in us and, and, and really making us that, that kind of community. But time and time again, I want to keep pointing us back to what Paul says uh, to the church at Thessalonica in verse, chapter 4, verse 10. He, he's telling them about how great of a job they're doing at loving each other. He says this, but I urge you to excel still more. And so we say, God's doing a good thing here. And I believe the content, our love towards each other is, is really strong. But let's, as Paul exhorted them, let's excel still more. And so let's read the, the entirety of our passage, if we can. 
the, the whole thing here. John 13, 31 through 35. It says, And when he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, uh, you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love one another. Uh, in two verses, 34 and 35, Jesus says, love one another three times. That's what teachers do often, right? Serious, serious, strategic emphasis through repetition. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. This is Jesus on his way to the cross. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. I think he wants us to love one another. Now, there, there's massive amounts of scripture on love, and we could just go on and on and on and on uh, about love. Understand that we are to be a people marked by love. I think we all have to really ask ourselves that question. Are, are we marked by love? Am, am I marked by love? He seriously wanted us to be. You think back to Matthew chapter 22, a very popular passage where a religious leader asked Jesus, hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And what does he tell them? He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that was the, that was the answer that they wanted, right? Good job, Jesus. You got it right. He says, but... And he adds this, he says, the second is just like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, quoting Leviticus 19.8 19, and tying these together. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. Now, I don't care how many times I read that passage, that is one of the most convicting passages of Scripture in the entire Bible for me. Love my neighbor as much as I love myself. Sounds really nice, right? But it's very rarely uh, lived out. We all have room to grow here. Do I love somebody, anybody, as much as I love myself? And then Jesus goes on, and he says, and on this, all the law and the prophets really hinge upon this. You would love the Lord your God with everything, and you would love your neighbor as yourself. He says the whole Bible really hinges on these commandments, to love God and to, to, to love people who are made in his image. And so we're to be a people of love. But what are we known for in today's day and age? What, what is the, the church known for? Is this what we're known for, for being a people of love? A lot of times we're really not known for love. We're known more for what we're against than what we're, we're for. And I pray that we would be known as a people who deeply love Jesus, who deeply love each other, and who deeply love our city with no strings attached. I pray that your neighbor and my neighbor and your coworker and, and, and your doormate would, would say, this person is so selfless and so sacrificial and so gracious and so loving. It's so crazy. They're always putting my needs above their needs. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. I remember a little over a year ago, there was this one week that just really, really stood out to me because it was a week where the theme seemed to be love. And God was just saying, keep it up, press on, press on. And in one week, I remember receiving four emails from random people, just randomly, commending Charles River Church for the way they're, they're loving and serving their community. I remember that same week, I got two face-to-face 
thank yous from people outside of the church thanking Charles River for how uh, serving, they're, they're serving the community. Just in one week, it was just mind-blowing to me. And somebody that same week invited us, that we didn't know, invited us to their house because they just wanted to tell us they're so grateful for what uh, the church is doing in, in the community. Even, even this week alone, Dan and I received an email from the, the director of the Boys and Girls Club who just wanted to say, I'm just so, so grateful for your church's uh, care for us and contribution um, in, in the community. He said, I and the entire staff are impacted by this. Just really, really uh, encouraging. I say that not to toot our own horns, but because I know because I'm the pastor, I hear that a lot, and you don't. And I want you to be uh, encouraged and, and to really be spurred on. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. It, it. It's making an impact. And people are watching too, aren't they? They're watching and, and wondering, is this a gimmick? Is this hype? Are they going to love us and serve us just so we can show up? Or are they going to keep loving us and keep serving this community? Is this hype or is this really who they are? And we want to say this is really, really who we are. Again, uh, this summer, just hanging out in, in, in a particular neighborhood uh, with one of our, our connection groups, and, and we had uh, a couple guys said, are you, why are you hanging out here? This is, this is real. Oh, we just love this neighborhood, and we want good for this neighborhood, and, and, and we want to continue with that and love our neighborhood well and be marked by uh, our community of love. A bunch of stinking hippies is what we want to be, right? First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4.10, again, excel still more. And so we've got to press on. We've got to keep loving people. We've got to keep serving people. Uh, but I want you to understand that it, it starts in here. If we can't love each other really, really well, then, then we're not going to be able to love others out there. And so for the remainder of our time, I want to go through this primary text. I want to think through loving each other in here well. And so I want to look at three distinctives of Christian love. Three distinctives of, of Christian love. And here's the first distinctive. Uh, Christian love is distinctively family. Christian love is distinctively family. Look again with me at John 13, verse 31 here. It says, And when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now, understand, as I said before, Jesus is almost heading to the cross here, and he uh, had been partaking of the Passover meal with uh, his disciples, and he had just told them that one of you at this table with me, one of you are going to betray me. We know that he's speaking of, of Judas, who is going to sell Jesus out for chump change. And so Satan enters into the heart of Judas, and Jesus says to him in verse 27, he says, hey, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. Go, do this, Judas. And so he dismisses Judas, knowing that Judas is going to go, sell him out for chump change, and, and betray him, leading to the, the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. And so that's why here in verse 31, it says, when he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said. So let's think about this for a minute. Uh, why, why did Jesus start talking about loving one another only after Judas had left, only after he dismisses Judas? The reason he does this is because he's, he, he wants to have a family meeting with those who are really a part of the family. And he wants to talk to them. I, I need to talk to you about loving each other and loving each other well. From time to time, for us as a church, we're going to call family meetings. We actually call them family meetings. Some churches call them congregational meetings. We're going to call them family meetings. We're going to talk about stuff that's just for those who are, are, are in the family. We really need to, to work through some things together. And so we welcome and love people who are not 
formally a part of the church family? Absolutely. But from time to time, we'll have family meetings. And that's what Jesus is doing here in verses 31 and 32. Once Judas has stepped out, he has a family meeting. And he basically says, he says, guys, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be lifted up here. Something crazy is about to happen. And God's going to be glorified in me. He's talking about the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then in verse 33, he says, little children. Now, see, family meeting here. He says, little children. We're talking family here. Little children, I'm only with you for a little while, and then I'm going to go, and where I'm going, uh, you cannot come. In other words, you're going to stay on, on this earth for a while. He's, he's clearly preparing them for his departure, right? And he, he's saying, family meeting, I'm going to be going, and you need to be prepared. And so in verse 34, he says this. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now, why is this commandment called new? Because we just read Leviticus 19.8 and, and other passages of, of scriptures previously saying love people, love your neighbor, love each other. And so how is, how is this commandment that he's giving us new? Well, it's new because it's to be seen in light of the crucifixion. It's new because it's to be seen in light of what Jesus has done, that, that, that God has done a new thing and that he has descended into humanity and became one of us and that he would sacrificially die for us. And so this ultimate sacrifice, this ultimate act of love is, is a new thing. Never before has anyone seen such extreme love displayed as what Jesus is about to do on the cross. And so this is a, a new commandment, a sacrificial love. And, and he's saying, I'm going to be gone, and you're going to need each other. And you're going to need to display sacrificial, selfless love to each other while I'm gone. Any of you have siblings in here? You have siblings? And so like me, you probably had the talk from mom or dad growing up, boys, stop fighting. Your family, you're going to need each other. You're going to be best friends when you get older. I remember that all the time, thinking, yeah, right, not this kid, not best friends. And now we're really, we're, we're really close. You get this talk from your family. Your family, love each other, support each other. And we're called to do that because it's going to get tough. So we need to be family and we need to love and we need to support each other. And so we kind of begin to see uh, the, the balance that Jesus has already called them to love their neighbor as themselves, but he's also now saying, I want you to love one another really well too. I want you to lock arms. I want you to rally. I want you to encourage and forgive and support and bear one another's burdens. You have to love each other very, very well if you're going to make it in this world. And, and, and for all of us, we can't do this alone. We have to understand that. We cannot do this alone. We're going to need each other and, and we need to commit to, to being family. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, so then as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone everyone especially to those who are in the household of faith he uses that word household we're to be good to everyone good for the city especially to those who are in the household of faith if we can't love each other then we can't love them and if we want to be able to continue to love them we got to love each other really really well because it gets hard and we need support so if we want to make a great impact in the city we're going to need tremendous love and support uh, in, in the church because it's going to get tough. I, I, I keep thinking back to Jeremiah 29, which we spent a whole um, week on uh, thinking through Jeremiah 29, that, that the Jewish exiles were in a foreign land. And I'm telling you, if they didn't have each other in that foreign land, it would be really, really difficult and almost uh, probably next to impossible. They were able to share their experiences of Jerusalem and share those things uh, together. I'll, I'll never forget a 
a really dear couple uh, in my life. I pray for still all the time. Um, they're uh, pastor. He's a pastor. Uh, he and his wife in a remote village in Honduras. Their names are Antonio and Leti. And I've led several missions trips down uh, to this remote village, Hacienda Grande, Honduras. And uh, they really sought to serve their village well and see it come to faith in Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 7, they sought the welfare of the city. I mean, they were super involved and super connected and just really, really seeking to serve that city well, that, that village well. And they did so with much opposition. I, I remember uh, they, they'd have to carry water buckets into their house to fill up a 50-gallon drum, and that's how they would bathe themselves because they had this one little water spigot that would come out of their house, but the villagers just kept cutting that water line. They'd repair it, and they'd cut it. They'd repair it, and they'd cut it. They just were just being really brutal uh, to them. They'd wake up in the middle of the night because they had windows that didn't have glass but just had the grates in them uh, because of the, the temperature there. And so they'd wake up in the middle of the night with, with rocks coming through those grates. People would be throwing rocks at them through uh, the window in, in the, the middle of the night. They, they just felt alone and unsupported, and it was very, very hard, but they pressed on until guess what God did? God started to, to build a church around them. I remember going back and seeing this church that had grown, and they were supported, and they were caring for each other. Was it still hard? Yes, but I remember some of the early conversations with them, thinking, I don't know if we can stick this out. This is awful. To later on, them saying, we're good. <laughs> we got these people. It's hard. They're still doing We still don't have water. We still get rocks in the middle of the night. We still get people screaming at us. We still get a voodoo person coming, and... Uh, trying to cast spells on us, and it, just crazy things. They said, but we're supported because we can go back to our, our church and we have family. Uh, and so Christian love is distinctively family. We need it. We need that. We need love and uh, just unconditional support uh, through the journey. And uh, many people out there also long for it, don't they? And so we can invite them into the family as well. And so we can be that uh, distinctively family. The, the next thing I want to point out to us from the, the scripture here is that Christian love is distinctively authentic. Distinctively authentic. I think back to, you know, the, the caps the guys wear, you know, if they don't bend the bill at all any longer, um, and then they keep the little shiny, you know, the little shiny hologram sticker on the cap that says authentic, right? This is, this is a real deal, uh, you know, baseball cap or whatever. And what is the mark of, of our authenticity? And, and, and look at verse 35 again of, of, of John. Verse 35, again, says this. It says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In other words, our love towards each other really is uh, a display of the authenticity of our discipleship. So if there's no love for the followers of Jesus in your, your heart, then the authenticity of your discipleship is, is really in question. Can I say that a little more harshly? If you don't like the church, you might not be a Christian. If you don't love the church, you might not be a Christian. That if your heart isn't inclined towards the participation and well-being and building up and care of your church, then it's saying your faith is in question, is what Jesus is saying here. A sign of your authenticity, your faith, is uh, your love for one another. I remember one specific feeling. You ever think back to just feelings you had as a child? You know, the feeling of first day of school or the feeling of 
teenage years, getting broken up with, whatever. And one feeling I'll never forget is the, the feeling of wanting to play catch. I loved baseball. I'm wanting to play catch, but there was nobody to play with me. My dad was still at work. My brother's like, get away from me. I don't want to, you know, whatever. The neighborhood kids weren't around. So just wanting to play catch, but, but having nobody uh, to, to play with. You can't play baseball with yourself, you know. You can be a musician and play by yourself. You can be a musician and not be in a band, but you can't really play baseball by your, your, yourself because baseball is a team sport, right? And, and, and likewise, we have to understand that, that our Christian faith, according to the Scriptures, is a, is a team sport. So for the, the man or the woman out there who says, ah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not, I don't do church. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Listen, if you love me, you've got to love my wife. If you don't like my wife, you probably don't like me, right? That's kind of how I roll. Like, if you don't like my wife, there's probably not good, right? And how do you say, I, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love his bride, the, the church, right? And, and we have to understand that our faith is a, is a team sport, and you have to be very cautious. Jesus is saying, listen, you, you might not actually be really in, in the game here. Real Christians want to connect with other Christians because they're family. Their, their, their family. I remember uh, other trips in different parts of the, the world that I've been on and just showing up and having nothing in common with them, not even knowing them, but there's just this instant kindred spirit that you have with them because you're, you're family and you share the unity of the, the Holy Spirit. You share the unity of purpose, the unity of mission, the unity of affection towards uh, the, the Lord. And so real Christians share that uh, with each other. And I understand that there are churches out there that have major issues, major issues. And I understand that people have been hurt by churches, have been hurt by church leaders, have been hurt by uh, other Christians. And so I'm not defending those actions, whatever it was that may or may not have hurt you. But it can't debunk the, the, the faith because our, our faith is built on Jesus and not on any person other than Christ uh, alone who was God and man. And so our faith is built on him. And so we really need to have an affection for his, his people because we're, we're, we're family. Remember um, Ephesians 5, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And so we're to love the bride of Christ that we are a part of and that we really love and want to, to, to care for. Right. So I pray that, that God will develop in us um, a love for each other. The city sees that deep love and says, that's, that's different. That's hard to explain. It's, it's unique. And it's the, the, the love um, that Jesus has given us because we love his, his bride. Can I read you another passage? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. You don't have to flip there. We'll put it on the screen for you. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So it talks about being born of God, the the same language that that Jesus used with Nicodemus, that language of being born again into the, the family of God, right? And he's saying, listen, if you're born into the family of God, you will love because God is love, and it's hereditary, right? It's been said that your, your actions really, uh, really reflect who you are. And so if you really 
are of Christ, your actions will be actions of love because his DNA is, is in you. And so we're going to love people and love each other because that's what God, uh, that's who God is. He is love. And so distinctively authentic. Our faith is authenticated by our love for each other. And the last one I want to look at here is that Christian love is distinctively, this is important, Christian love is distinctively Jesus. Christian love is distinctively uh, Jesus. Our, our love for one another is not love as the world sees love. It's distinctively Jesus-style love. Uh, again, back in our passage uh, for tonight, John chapter 13, 34, says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. What's it say? Just as I, Jesus, have loved you. And so we're to love each other the way Jesus has loved us. Now, not only do we, do we love others uh, if he's in us because of the DNA, we naturally will love others, but we also are to love others as he's, he's loved us or in the same way that he's loved us. And so how has Jesus loved you? Has he loved you? Has he loved me based on anything in us that causes him to want to love us? Do we deserve his love? No. It's selfless, sacrificial love that he, he gives to us. It's love that, that cost him. That's why 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that, that he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for who? For the brothers, each other, right? And so it's that sacrificial love. What was in it for Jesus? Death was in it for Jesus. And it was sacrificial, and that's the kind of love he wants for us. And so... I think one of the major struggles in our culture today is that love is something that we fall in and we fall out of, isn't it? We can fall in love, we can fall out of love, and it's just something that, it's a, it's a feeling that comes and, and goes based upon what's in it for me. Right? Is there anything in it for me? And if not, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. Right? So I love you as long as you give me what I want, whatever that may be. I, I, I love you as long as you're lovable. <laughs> and so many marriages why a lot of women get really hurt in this culture because older men can go for younger women as their wife ages and isn't the same person that she looked like she was at age 21 and so it's just a terrible thing and women get abused in this all the time or I love you as long as I find myself attracted to you I love you as long as you're acting towards me the way I want you to and so the divorce rate is climbing and love is is so, so messed up and so skewed today. We're consumers and not love uh, givers. And that's not love. Love is something that you give, right? We're to lay down our lives. That's love. As Jesus laid down his life, we're to lay down our lives. Think through the book of Hosea, which is probably the most cutting little book in the Bible. And Hosea is a prophet of God, who God has to go and to, 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 to marry a harlot. So I want you to go marry a harlot. Her name's Gomer. Now, if her name isn't bad enough, she's a harlot and she's unfaithful. And what God is doing is, is he's using Hosea's faithfulness to Gomer as a testimony of his unconditional, sacrificial love for people who don't deserve it, who are unfaithful back to him. And so Christian love is sacrificial and unconditional, that we love people when they're unlovable, that we love people when they don't love us in return, that we love people 
not based on what they give us, but based on what Jesus has given us. We want to love people that way. Jesus loved us though we sinned against him. He loved us though we're not faithful to him. He loved us though we don't give him anything back in return of, of much value. It, it's sacrificial love that he, that he gives us. And so we need Jesus-style love in here. It starts here, and then it goes out there. I think about my, my, uh, my great uncle. I call him Uncle Ernie. He was a uh, Baptist preacher and uh, just, a, just a great guy. He and his wife were the, the classic 1950s dynamic duo. He would get up and preach, and she would play the piano and play the old hymns. And, and then he'd, honey, come on up here and play us another song. And, you know, it was just it was a beautiful uh, thing that they have going. And uh, a few years ago, it was pretty clear that Uncle Ernie's mind was starting to drift. And uh, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, he just, it, it got bad pretty quick for Uncle Ernie. And uh, he... He got put into a home. Uh, he, his wife, uh, Aunt Marion, was just unable to care for him much longer. And so it was just, he's still just a sweet guy. And it got to the point where sometimes he'd remember her, sometimes he wouldn't. Uh, sometimes he'd remember my grandmother, his sister, sometimes he wouldn't. And uh, they just kept going, and Marion kept going and visiting him. Uh, they told me about uh, how he would, he loved senior aerobics. And so for senior aerobics, they would do things like they'd get, stand in a circle and they'd, you know, they'd you know, squat or do something fun, fun like that. And my, my aunt was telling me about how when they'd stand in a circle for senior aerobics, they'd, they'd open up by just holding hands and getting in a good circle. And as a Baptist pastor, he thought holding hands means it's time to pray. So he would just, right when they'd hold hands in the circle, he'd start praying, Jesus, save these dear souls. And tell, I mean, just, he would preach it in his prayer right there in senior uh, aerobics. Now, as, as time went on, time went on, he pretty much lost, lost it all, never uh, recognized my Aunt Marion, but Aunt Marion would continue to go, continue to be with him. He doesn't know me, but I love him. I'm going to keep loving him. I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep caring for him, even though he gives me nothing in return at this point. That's Jesus-style love. I love you not based on what you give me, but based on who I am. Right? And that's how we're to love each other. We're to love each other, not based on performance, not based on lovability, based on what Jesus has done for us. So we want to love others. We love because he first loved us, First John 4 says. And he initiated the love. And so now we're to initiate uh, the love towards each other. That We love with no strings attached. And when we fail to love other people with no strings uh, attached. We miss out on an opportunity to understand the Lord better. So we need this kind of love among us, Jesus-style love. Verse 34, love one another just as I have loved you. It's distinctively, distinctively Jesus. And so this is the kind of love that we want among our community. That we want to be a people who love as Jesus loved. We want to be a people who love like a family. We want to be a people who just love each other so well, so sacrificially, so that others see that and they want it, so that the natural overflow spills out, bleeds out into our, our community. That, that if we want to affect the city out there, there's got to be good content in here, and so we have to pursue that. We have to excel still more, as Paul says, Greater, greater, greater love for each other.
Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, more than anything, I thank you that you pursued us and loved us. We didn't show you much love in return. You loved us before we could love you. God, thank you that your love flows out of who you are and not what we've done. And God, I just pray that if there's anybody in here this morning who has never trusted in you as their loving Savior, who sacrificed it all and died for them, Lord, I pray that you would do that work in their hearts, that they would turn from sin and turn to you and trust in your cross, your death as a substitutionary payment for their sin. And so I commit them to you, Father, that they would live a life in a loving relationship with you, not getting it perfect, but knowing that you got it perfect, that you love them no matter what. And so may they call out to you and say yes to Jesus in this time. I pray for our people, for us as a church, Lord, that we would be marked by our love for one another, that we would love as family. Lord, I pray that uh, we would love authentically out of true discipleship of Jesus. And Lord, if we're not loving in that kind of way, Lord, would you help us to sort out, are we even, are we even real? Because Jesus, you begged that question in the scriptures. And God, may our, our love be distinctively Christ-like, sacrificial, relentless, selfless, mind-boggling for many people. May that be our love for each other and for our city. We always just want to continue to pray good for this city. Do your work in it, Father. And we say, here we are. Lord, would you send us, would you use us, Father? We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.